Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us this morning, and happy Mother's Day. If you see somebody near you that you think might be a mom, feel free to tell them happy Mother's Day. If it's guys, say happy Mother's Day, too. It's just fun. I said to Pastor Cliff, and he just gave me a look. I don't know why he didn't think it was funny. I, I thought it was a lot funnier than he did. So, But please join me as we come together. Stand if you're able, and we'll worship God through song. I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river in my soul, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river in my today. This is a packed house. This is awesome. Um, welcome online too. Happy Mother's Day. But I want to share just a little something I found this week about Mother's Day. Okay, it's really long, but it's really good. Okay, to those of you who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fought with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you, but forgive us if we say foolish things. We don't mean to make things harder. To those foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, which is everybody in here, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experience abuse at the hands of your mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who have lived through driving tests, medical tests, and overall testing of motherhood, we, have a, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you longed for it to be. To those step-parents, we walk with you on those complex paths. To those who envision lavishing love on grandchildren, yet the dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have empty nests this upcoming year, we grieve with you, but we also rejoice with you. To those who place children for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. 
and to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. We love you, EBC women. You are talented, you are wonderful, you're amazing, you're gifted, and above all, you're loved. I forgot to grab my pink envelope, but there are pink envelopes for Mother's Day offering to support the Baptist Children's Home and Family Services. They have five ministries, um, the Angels Cove, the Baptist Children's Home Residential Service, Faith Adoption Ministry, Grace Haven Pregnancy Resource Clinic, and Pathway Counseling. We're going to watch a cute little video after this prayer. No classes tonight. We'll resume them next Sunday. You're invited this Wednesday to... Um, this Wednesday evening at 6.30 for our business meeting, prayer and share. Help with the food pantry this Thursday would be greatly appreciated. It's from 9 to 11. And EBC is looking to hire a new administrative assistant. So if you're interested, you would have to work with Pastor Cliff every day. But you can handle it. Just give him your application. Um, he would take that from you. I want to introduce Mark Gwillen to come and lead us in prayer today. He's not as fast as me. <laughs> Get out of here. Let's take this time to go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for this day you've given us to honor our mothers. And since it is your day and we're in your house, your mother did the, the selfless thing that she could ever do and, and gave you up to... To, uh, so we would know salvation in your death. For please be with everybody in this building today, for there's some that we know are saved, some that need to be saved, and some that just need to hear your message. Please be with Cliff and Adam that you'll give them the right words and to, to say to reach those people today. For I ask these things in your name. Amen. My mom loved history and she loved to read, so she passed that on to me. And so we, we shared that passion throughout our years uh, together. It, being part of Illinois Baptist, being part of the uh, mission of the Baptist Children's Home through the offering and coming over here with visits and those sorts of things was important to her uh, throughout the years. And she loved kids. She was a school teacher and she took great joy. She spent over 30 years in the classroom. So she loved the Lord and she wanted people to, to know Jesus. I think that's probably the most important thing that she would share. You know, you can have a lot of knowledge, but if you don't know Jesus and you don't know how to use that knowledge for Him and for His work, then uh, it's to no avail. That's what's at the heart of providing Christ-centered services because the people that we serve, uh, whether they be teenagers or whether they be uh, young adults with unexpected pregnancies or, or whether it's our Pathways clients who, who come in, uh, they're dealing with pain, they're dealing with hurt, they're dealing with fear and uncertainty about being parents uh, or experiencing other kind of trauma uh, and having to deal with the grief of loss, uh, whether it be through death or divorce and those types of things. And um, that's what our staff, that's, that's what I hope I can bring, uh, is a, a pastoral shepherd-like ministry to Baptist Children's Home Family Services in the days ahead. I would like to ask you to partner with the Baptist Children's Home by supporting the Mother's Day offering to help those who are hurting and grieving.
please sing with me once again as we come together and worship through song. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, calls for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues of old. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy I was lost in utter darkness Till you came and rescued me I was bound by all my sin When your love came and set me free Now my soul can sing a new song Now my heart has found a home Now your grace is always with me And I'll never be alone Come thou found, come thou king Come thou precious prince of peace Hear your bride to you we sing Come thou found of our blessing Come thou found, come thou king Come thou precious prince of peace Hear your bride to you we sing Come thou found of our blessing Oh to grace how great a debtor Daily I'm constrained to be let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Come thou found, come thou keep. Come thou precious Prince of Peace, hear your bride to you we sing. Come thou fount of our blessing, come thou fount, come thou King, come thou precious Prince of Peace, hear your bride to you we sing. Come thou fount of our blessing. was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it.
Sorry for the technical delay there. I walked off without a battery, and then as I'm standing here, I'm going, well, I never turned it on. So, there we go. Yeah. Okay. Hi, I'm Cliff, and I'm technically challenged. <laughs> Something like that, right? We, we got sound now. We're in First John, okay? Chapter 2, the middle of it. We're not moving very fast, is what I said earlier, and we're not in a hurry, okay? Uh, you know, because when I run out of material, then I have to find a new, new gig. So we're going to just keep working through this. We're going to enjoy this. Now, I love the way that, that, that I, I like this, okay? John wrote the book of John, the gospel of John. And in there, he told us who Jesus was. He told us about Jesus coming in the world, his way of, and the word became flesh, right? That's the birth, as John puts it. The word became flesh, dwelt among us. And, and then it walks through there, and it walks us all the way to the cross and the resurrection, and John writes in the 20th chapter that I wrote this book so that you might have faith. In other words, here's Jesus. Here's what he did. He's the one that provides salvation. I needed that. Now, what 1 John does is, is this. You have faith. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have faith. Now, what's it mean to live that faith out? And that's what 1 John's all about. It's the living it out. So to have faith in the book of John and to live faith in 1 John. And so that's what we're walking through and we're, we're seeing that. Here are some themes in the book of 1 John. Light, righteousness, love, and assurance. We're going to touch on some of these today. We're going to talk on, touch on the assurance thing. Last week it was the idea in the very first part of the chapter where if you, it's that goal, right? Let's set a goal. How many, you know, how, you worked on it last week. We set a new goal. The goal was not to have a little sin in our life. The goal was to have no sin. I doubt you accomplished that. But this week, what's the goal? Again, we want to live like Christ. So that means to live free of sin. That's our goal. Knowing that we're not going to get there, but we can't be satisfied with living a life that's okay with sin. And so we're going to walk through this and we're going to see what John has to say on top of that. He's going to add another component to that. I'm going to ask you this question. This question seems irrelevant to everything that we're talking about this morning. But did you know Aaron Rodgers has a new team? I mean, like, really, does that matter? I mean, he went from being a Packer and wearing Packer green to being a New York Jet and wearing New York Jet green. Okay? He's never going to be... No, he's never going to be a stealer. He's also never going to be, um, <laughs> he never will be, right? Um, he's never going to be Joe Namath, okay? And, and so, I mean, I don't care how good Aaron is there. He's not going to be Joe Namath. But here's the thing. I want you to think, I, I'm telling you this because I was pretty sure that most of you, you, you didn't have to want to know that, that Aaron Rodgers got a new team because for some reason we were all supposed to care about it. Here's what I want you to think about. Aaron Rodgers has got a new team. 
But as John writes this to the believers, to us, we've got a new team too. Now I'm going to frame that. We're going to come back to that. I want you to understand, Aaron Rodgers has a new team, so do you. You have a new team. But I want you to think of it in a couple terms because here's what I want to do. I want us to look at what we're going to talk about and I want us to understand it. I want us to walk out of here saying, I get it. Let me go out there and live it. Okay, let me go out there and live You know, there's a lot of things. Once you get it, you can do it. And so that's what, I, that's what my hope is. And so I want to frame it this way so that we can understand it so that we take it home. Aaron Rodgers has a new team. So do you. You have a new employer. Again, another reference that I want you to look at. We'll look at as we walk through this. And you have a, and this is where it really drives home, you have a new relationship. Okay, you have a new relationship. You're a believer. We're talking about living out your faith. You have a new team. You have a new employer. And you have a new relationship that you didn't have before you had Jesus in your life. So let's talk about that. We're going to pick it up in 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. I'm going to be reading out on the New American Standard. It's on the screen here. It's in the Bible app. You can use the version you have to follow along in your Bible. Make notes there. John, he uses this phrase again, again, that, that idea of children and fathers and sons. Let's, let's, let's listen to what he says. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Let's look at what he said here. And he starts out in those first couple of verses that we read, first three, four, four verses. I am writing to you. And he writes to the children. He writes to the fathers. He writes to the young man. He says, I have written. There's a lot of... <coughs> excuse me. There's a lot of, uh, of, of talk about what that means. That he writes to three different groups. That he writes... The, the change I, have, I, am, I am writing or I have written. I want to look at it a little simpler because it could be rhetorical. In other words, I'm doing this for emphasis. It could be that he's dealing with age groups. It could be that he's dealing, which seems obvious to us, right? That's what we identify with. It could be also spiritual maturity in the church, right? Because we get that too. Uh, you can be a babe in Christ and be 80, you know, if you just accepted Christ at 80, you're a babe in Christ, even though you're a senior to everybody else. It could be time, the time that they've spent in the church, etc. Those are the references. But he writes to these people. And here's what I want to focus on. What did he write to the fathers? What did he write to the children? What did he write to the, the young men? Or, yeah, what did he write to the young men? Let's look at those things that he writes. He says, Your sins have been forgiven. And he's writing to these groups, your sins have been forgiven. If you're a believer, 
And that's who John is writing to. You're a believer, right? That means your sins have been forgiven. My sins have been forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It says, you know the eternal one. Why? Because they know Jesus. I know Jesus. I, I can identify with that statement. I hope that you can identify with that statement. If you can't, we're going to give an invitation and give you an opportunity to accept Christ so that you might know the eternal one. You've overcome the eternal one. I love this. And I, want you to, I want you to frame this because as he writes that, you strong and, and you overcome the evil one. I want you to understand that we can't do that on our own. This is because of all of those things. Your sin has been forgiven. Why? Because of what Jesus has done. You know the eternal one because of what Jesus has done. You've overcome the evil one because Jesus is living in you. You know the Father because Jesus is living in you. The Word of God abides in you. And John says, the Word became flesh. The, the Holy Spirit living in us. J.D. Greer described that as Jesus continued. So the Word of God abides in you. And that makes a difference in our lives. That makes a difference in our lives. Now, I focused on this because before we get to the, the, to the, 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 the 15th verse about loving the world, not loving the world, I want us to think about this. Because who we are and who we are sets the stage for what we do. Who we are sets the stage for what we do. It's the position to practice. Now, Paul uses this in both Ephesians and Colossians. So when you're reading through the book of Ephesians, how many chapters in Ephesians? Six. How many chapters in Colossians? There's four. Take a line down there. If you divide six and a half, how many do you get? Three? You divide four and a half. This is math today, right? Sorry. It's supposed to be Mother's Day. You get two. But here's how it works. When Paul writes the letter to both the Ephesians and the Colossians, the first half of the book, the first three chapters, first two chapters, about who we are because of Christ. And then he moves into because of who we are, this is how we need to live. And so John, as he's getting ready to instruct us how to live, he reminds us of who we are. We know Jesus. We know the Eternal One. We know God. Our sins have been forgiven. I mean, that's powerful when you think of where we were, and now we're here not because of what we have done. We are here because of what Jesus has done. For us. That's the only way that we can have salvation is through Jesus Christ. And that makes the difference. And now that we have Jesus, because this is what this is about, right? Here's the book of John, know Jesus. Now that you know Jesus, first John is, let's live this way. Who we are because of what Jesus has done affects what we do now that we are a Christian. Last week, it's the idea, we lived in sin and we were good at it. And the problem is, we just want to continue on. And John says, hey, if you belong to Christ, you need to start living differently. And your goal now is no sin, not a little sin, not, not real dirty sin, not to be a, a, a better sinner than the next guy to you. It's, it's Christ-like. 
And so now he's going to bring us to another place where he's going to talk about our action because of who we are. And this is a phrase, this is a phrase that we know. I'm not sure how well we are at living it. And he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. I want you to think about this. We lived in the world. We still live in the world. When we accept Jesus Christ, we didn't get resurrected out of here and, and, and flown off to heaven. That would, be, that, would, that would really mess things up. Because whoever told me about Jesus would have been gone. And whoever you're going to tell about Jesus, you wouldn't be able to tell them. So we're here so we can be a light to the world. That means we live a little bit differently than the rest of the world. Maybe a lot bit differently. And so he says, do not love the world or things of the world. Remember this. Let's frame it this way. We have been delivered from the world and its penalty. We, we've been taken out of the wreck and the mess that we were once in, and we've been delivered to a place where we know Jesus. Let's stay that way. <coughs> when we get better, y'all been, been sick, laid up in the hospital? How many... How many's favorite place in the whole wide world is the hospital? Okay? Think about that. You got there because your life was a mess. We don't want to go back there. I appreciate what they do. But I don't want to go back. And, and I hope that we look at the way, because we were sick with sin. And then, all of a sudden, we were convicted of our sin. God worked in our lives and, and brought people in our lives and situations into our lives that told us that we were far from Him and that there was a, a cure, there was something better than wallowing in our sin. And we met Jesus, we, under, we confessed our sins, we called out to Him, we asked Him to be our Savior and forgive us of our sins, and now we're in a better place. Why would we get delivered from all of that mess and then go back right into it? But that's oftentimes what we do. And so this is, the, this is the area that John comes from. He knows what we're like because we're working against an enemy. The enemy, when you accept Christ, isn't going to say, well, lost that one. Not going to mess. Satan continues to work on us. Why? Because he wants to drag us back down into the mess so that our light gets all covered up and is dirty and muddy and sinful and nobody sees any difference and nobody else is attracted to Jesus because they didn't say, hey, I got Jesus. Well, I can't see any difference in you. And so we, what, he, what we're working against, what John is dealing with, is the reality of the enemy still works in our life. And he says, so he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. What did the world give you? What did the world give you? It, it promised a lot of things, didn't it? The world, with all of its glamour, with all of its stuff, How many of you have enough stuff that you're happy? How many of you, let me, let me ask this question. You now have stuff 
that you thought when you got that stuff, you'd be happy. Right? I got, I got a motorcycle. Now I'd be happy if I had two motorcycles. When I get two motorcycles, I'll need a third one. You see, that's how the world works. It promises, and when I get there, I'm still not fulfilled like I thought I would be. Because it leaves me empty. Because it's not eternal. The, the things of the world are passing. That's what John talks to us about. What the world give you? It, it made promises. You get here, you, you attain this position, you get this business card with this title on it, and you're going to be somebody, and you'll be happy. And you get that, that title on your business card, and you found out that it wasn't all glamour. And again, it, it sells you short and leaves you empty. That's what the world gives you. He keeps hanging that carrot out there, and you keep chasing it, and it keeps leaving you empty. We read about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Okay, those were the things that, that, that the world has, right? We, the, the lust of the flesh. Um, the, the, um, the message puts it this way, and I, maybe you can identify with it a little bit better, but wanting your own way is the, is the term for lust of the flesh. Want every, wanting everything for yourself. I sound like I'm in, in the preschool department, right? You know, I mean, that's how we start out, but that's honestly how we end up, right? And I, I'm more mature. I still want everything for myself. And I'm not sharing my toys, the, the, the wanting to appear important. Yeah, that, that's how the... You can flip that slide there. It shows these up there. Wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important. The, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. All those things that drive us, that our, that our commercials appeal to, the advertising appeals to, all of these things that will will make you happy. Um, you know, I, I always chuckle. Drinking beer makes you thin, tanned, and full of energy. Right? You know, gambling always makes you, you know, and I, I, I know, I, you know, I've seen it. It's not where it's at, right? It's empty. My, my, one of my favorite musicians, and he calls family, Okay, he wrote a song called The Lust of Flesh and the Pride of Life. And, and I the tagline as he sings it, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sing it to you because I'm not muted right now. But the tagline is this, as he sings about the lust of flesh, the pride of life, he says it drains the life right out of me. Every time we pursue for happiness in the world and the things of the world, it will drain the life right out of you. Michael Rose's name. You can listen to it this afternoon. But um, why is that? 
because we begin to pursue the world instead of pursuing God. If we want life, we have to pursue the one who gives life. And it's not the world. It just drains the life right out of you. God is the giver of life. We need to understand that and understand it enough that we will live it out. That we look to God for life rather than the things of the world. We're given a choice. We're given a choice. Love God or love the world. Love God or love the world. Now I'm going to tell you this and, and know that it's true. God is a jealous God. God wants some of your love. God wants most of your love. God wants all of your love. Now the world will say, you can love God a little bit, but you've got to love me too. It's okay with that, because to do that is to give you defeat. It's to drain the life out of you. If you look at what John gives to you, what God gives to you, the choice is to love God or love the world. We need to make that choice to love God and then to live that out, to live that out. Let's go back to the Aaron Rodgers statement, the idea that you're on a new team. The idea is this. You once were playing, if you had a jersey before you knew Jesus Christ, what would happen on the back? It would have the team name World. Now that you've accepted Christ, you have a new jersey. And you get to belong to the family of God. That's a new team that you're on. And we need, to, we need to live like we're on a new team. We need to live that out because God has done something for us that we couldn't do. And, he, and, he's, and, and by His mercy, I didn't get drafted on His team because of what I do or my talents. I got drafted onto his team because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way that we get there. It's not because of what we've done. It's because of what he's done. And so that's where we're at now. We're, we're, we're in a new place. Let's live like we're in a new place. You know, Aaron Rodgers can't throw to his old receivers because they're on the other team. He has to live and throw a new way. We have to live a new way because we're on a new team. We have a new employer. No longer are we working for the world and in essence working for Satan. We're working for Christ now. That's who, who we're answering to these days. That's who blesses us these days. And so we need to, to live like we have a new employer. Now, here's the one that I want you to think about really hard. This is, the toughest, this is the toughest one, maybe the ugliest one, but it's the most, maybe the most precise one. But either way, I want you to get it. We were once married to the world. That was our, our boyfriend-girlfriend. We we're seeking happiness with the world. But the world was like a bad relationship that kept selling us short. It kept causing us hurt and pain. 
because it never could deliver. It was a broken relationship, dysfunctional. The world got everything, we got nothing. And so, here's what happened. You finally saw the emptiness of that relationship and you cried out to God. And, and the scripture talks about it like a marriage relationship. We now belong to Him. We're in a new relationship with God. In a new relationship. We're, we're the, the bride. And the old relationship needs to be dead. Let's wrap our head around it for a minute. I don't know where you came from, how you got where you're at. But I'm going to say that, that keeping the old relationship while trying to maintain a new relationship, new marriage relationship, never works. And it doesn't work that way with God either. You can hide things from an earthly relationship to a point. But I want you to know you can never hide it from God. He knows where your heart's at. He knows where your affections are at. He knows where you're seeking happiness. So, so understand that we're in a new relationship. That means the old relationship, the old love for the world and the things that it has, we need to see it for what it was, and then we need to pursue God with everything that we have and give all of our affection, our love, our devotion to Him and not to the world. You don't get a new job and go to the old workplace, do you? You don't get a new team and show up at the old team. John wants us to live like we love God. Okay? We make that choice, love God or love the world. John wants us to be in a better place because of who we believe in, because of who we are. And it's hard. It's hard because we, we live in this world. And it's hard not to become polluted by the world. It's hard not to be tugged at by the world and respond to that. I, I, I'll say, I, I, I've quoted this enough times, somebody messaged me and says, what's the name of that book so I can buy it? It's, it's the, the um, now I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, <laughs> Pilgrim's Progress. In Pilgrim's Progress, there is a guy like you and me. And he's journeying, to, he's, he's on a journey toward heaven. But invariably along that journey, there's neon flashing lights over here. There's a bell ringing over here. My name's being called over here. This is the path that he's supposed to be on. But time and again, he does what we do. We get lured off by the world and its promises. Like the prodigal, pretty soon we find ourselves eating pig stuff. Until we finally figured out this is not where I'm supposed to be. We need to get back on the right path. And I'm just saying, it's a daily thing. 
Hey, the, the, the world just say, well, I'm just going to give up on Cliff. He's, he's, he's not getting it. He's never, he's never moving over. It keeps working harder and harder to pull us off the side. We need to love God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and strength. And that's what John is pushing us to do. We need to be marked as Christians by our love for God, not our love for the world. Can they tell a difference? Here's the action steps that I want you to think about. Well, let's put those into play to this week. Here's the first question that I want you to answer. Write it down. Okay, this, do a little soul searching here. What part of the old can't you let go of? You got something, some old world way you haven't let go of. You know, it's it's kind of like, sit along, but boy, once chocolate's mentioned, I'm off to the races. Okay? Just, just off. What is it that's that one thing that's kind of that thorn in your side? Identify it. Let's be honest with ourselves. Ask God if you, if you can't figure out what old, old thing you can't get free of, ask God, he'll tell you. Identify it and let's work on taking it out. Let's work on it being not a temptation, not a derailment. And then I want, you to ask, I want to ask you this question. How will you show your love of God today? That's a Monday question, a Tuesday question, a Wednesday question, Thursday question, Friday question, Saturday question, Sunday question. How will I show my love for God today? Not my love for the world. It's, it's not enough. Not to, we can do this, right? I'm not going to love the world. But what needs to replace that is I need to love God. So here's where I want your focus to be. I want you to focus on loving God. If you'll focus on loving God, then you'll do that. So I want you to focus on what can I do today? What can I do each day that I get up? Put that on your refrigerator. Right, right, in, front of you, right in front of your coffee maker, whatever it is that you get up in the morning to do. How will you show your love for God today? And you think about that. We're going to sing... And when we do that, I'm going to ask you to stand. And when I'm asking you to stand, I'm giving you an opportunity. I'll be here. Deacons will be over here. And if you need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, to follow through with baptism, whatever it is that you need to do, I need to, I, I need to go on mission to, to Africa or to Canada or to South America. God's calling me. Then I want you to respond to that. We want, this is, this is our goal, right? Is to help each one of us walk closer to God. And so whatever decision it is that you need to make, we're here to pray with you. We're here to help you follow through. Maybe you have a question about it. Then you come and we'll talk to you about that. We'll pray with you. And the rest of the people behind you, let's make that promise now that whenever somebody comes down here, you will pray for them even though you don't know why they stepped out. Because God knows. And I want you to support them because they've made that step. It might be, they might be praying for a lost friend, and you can come and do that. They might be praying for a prodigal that's gotten off path, that's loving the world instead of loving God. You come down and pray for them and know that the people behind are praying with you. Let's stand, let's sing. <coughs> Thank you.
I've always wanted to be music director for just one song. Okay? No, just can we go back to the clouds rule back? I just want to sing that verse. Can we do that? Okay, yeah. Just give me care. This should be, yes, I want to sing that song. Because listen to it. We, we're living for Jesus to come back, right? The clouds be rolled back as a scroll, and the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall kind of casually walk in. No! I mean, let's, let's sing it like we expect it to happen. Then we'll go. <laughs> Lord, haste the day when the face shall be sighed. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The drum shall Thank you. Here's the, the readings for this week. I want to encourage you to read out of First Chronicles, Job, Revelation, Matthew. We're just singing about the trump. We'll read Revelation enough to see the trump sound, okay? And know that we'll do that. So I, I wanna, I'm going to say prayer, but don't move yet, okay? Some of you shook your head. I said, don't move. Okay, <laughs> let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to worship. Father, we thank you for the truth of your return. And Father, we anticipate that. And Father, as we anticipate that, Lord, let us go out and live a life that loves you. And Father, let it show in our actions. Father, let us go out and carry the hope of the gospel to our friends, neighbors, family who do not have that hope. Father, that we might rejoice with them 
as they accept you as Lord and Savior. We give you the thanks, Lord, and we anticipate great things. In Jesus' name, amen. So hang on just a second. The Mother's Day pink offering envelopes. Charlie's got some there. Daryl's got some there. There's some out there by the offering plate. You can take those, go home, fill them up with whatever God leads you to do. Be a cheerful giver and know that you're investing in you're investing in a lot of things. You're investing in a pregnancy center. You're investing in, in young mothers. You're investing in children whose, whose lives are dysfunctional up at this point. Um, you're investing in families that are being counseled so that they don't get to that point. So know that your, your gift will help that out. And uh, I have to say hi to our campground people, and I hope you were singing loud enough for the rest of the campers to hear. But I, I, I'm going to send Teresa back to the middle room. I'm going to give her a head start with you guys. Um, Mark, if you go with her, I'm going to give, every, I'm going to give you guys a longer head start because you're slow. <laughs> so, if you were here in August of 1920, whatever, <laughs> if you were here the day that we had our 100-year celebration in the middle room, is a book with your name on it. We, we finally got these done, and so they came back from the printer this week, so know that your book is there. Grab that book and go home and look at it. I think that you'll enjoy that. If you weren't here and you'd like a book, let me know, and we'll see how many books that we have left, okay? That's kind of where we're at. If we have to go back to the printer, what do we need to get there? So thank you guys for being here, and happy Mother's Day, right? <laughs> Okay, enjoy the day.